Please turn in your Bible to Ezra chapter 2. <clears throat> Ezra chapter 2. Now, when you see, we're going to be reading, we're being verses 1 through 70 today. Do not let that frighten you because each name is a, is a verse. So, it's not as bad as it sounds. But while you're turning, have you ever wondered to yourself, do I matter to God? You know, we know the old standard. We know that God loves us. <coughs> kind of like our parents love us because they have to, right? But does, do I matter to God? Sometimes we think about these, what we consider these great Christians and go, well, do I matter? You know, I'm kind of just this cog in the wheel. You know, I'm not. We, and this is what we we don't say this word, but we say, well, I'm not really special like so and so. And do I matter to God? And so <clears throat> that's what we're going to discover this morning as we study these verses. Verses one through seventy. I was talking with Dwayne this week. I told him I was going to have to go home and practice all these names. Because we have some names in here this morning. So we'll see how we do. Verse 1. Now these are the people of the prophets who came up out of captivity of the exiles of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and carried away to Babylon, and returned to Jerusalem and Judah each to his own city. <clears throat> These came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Reliah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar, Bigba, Rehum, and Bana. We call them Banana. <laughs> the number of the men of the people of Israel, the sons of Farosh, 2172. The sons of Shippatha, 372. The sons of Era, 775. <clears throat> the sons of Path Moab, and the sons of Jeshua and Joab, 2812. The sons of Elam, 1254. The sons of Zatu, 945. The sons of Zechariah, 760. The sons of Benai, 642. The sons of Bebai, 623. The sons of Asgad, uh, 1,222. The sons of Adekinaim, 666. I don't know if I don't want to be part of his team. The sons of Bigava, 2056. The sons of Aden, 454. The sons of Adder, of Hezekiah, 98. The sons of Abiziah, uh, 323. The sons of Jorah, 112. The sons of Hashum, 223, the sons of Gibar, 95, the men of Bethlehem, 123, the men of Netapath, 56, the men of Ananoth, 128, the sons of Azmath, 42, the sons of Kirath Aram, Sephra, and Baroth, 743, and the sons of Ramah and Geba, 621, the men of Michaelmas, 128, the men of Bethel and Ai, 223, the sons of Nebo, 52, the sons of Magbish, 
156. The sons of the other Elam, 1254. The sons of Haram, 320. The sons of Lod, Hadid, Hadid and Ono. You have to wonder how some people got the name. Ono, 725. <laughs> the men of Jericho, 345. The sons of Sena, 3630. The priests of the sons of Jediah in the house of the house of Jeshua, 973. The sons of Emer, 1052. The sons of Pasher, 1247. The sons of Haram, 1017. Levites returning. The Levites, the son of Jeshua, Kadmiel, the son of Hadovah, 74. The singers, the sons of Asaph, 128. And if you notice that name, you'll see it in Psalms, um, some of the top of the Psalms. The sons of the gatekeepers, the sons of Shalom, the sons of Adder, the sons of Talmud, the sons of Akub, the sons of Hatita, the sons of Shobai, in all, 139. The temple servants, the sons of Ziha, the sons of Heshfah, the sons of Tabith, the sons of Keros, the sons of, of Siaha, the sons of Padon, the sons of Lebanon, or I'm sorry, Lebanon, the sons of Haggath, the sons of Akub, the sons of Hagab, the sons of Shalmai, the sons of Hanan, the sons of Gidel, Gid, Gidel, the sons of Gehar, the sons of Riah, the sons of Rezin, the sons of Nakoda, the sons of Gazim, the sons of Yuza, the sons of Pashia, the sons of Basai, the sons of Ashna, the sons of Menem, the sons of Nephizim, the sons of Bakbuk, the sons of Hek Upha, the sons of Harhur, the sons of Balus, the sons of Mehida, the sons of Harsha, the sons of Barakos, the son, that was not the former president, the sons of Sistra, the sons of Kima, the sons of Neziah, the sons of Hatipha, the sons of Solomon's servants, the sons of Sotai, the sons of Hashfor, the sons of Peruda, the sons of Jala, the sons of Darka, the sons of Gidadel, the sons of Shephelath, the sons of Hethil, the sons of Pocahontas, or Pocahontas, uh, the son of Amy, Amy, we call her Amy, the sons of the servants of the sons of Solomon's servants were 392. Now these who came up from Telmeth, Hesh, Telhoth, Cherub, Adon and Emer, but they were not able to give evidence of their father's households and their descendants, whether they were of Israel or uh, Israel, the sons of Deliah, the sons of Tobiah, the sons of Nakoda. 61. Of the sons of the priests, the sons of Habath, the sons of Hekos, Hekos the sons of Barzillai, the Barzillai, who took a wife from the daughters of Brazilia, the Gileadite, he was called by their name. These searched among their ancestral registrations, registration, but they could not be located. Therefore, they were considered unclean and excluded from the priesthood. 
The governor said to them that they should not eat from the most holy things until a priest stood up with Um and Thurman, and the whole assembly numbered 42,360, beside their male and female servants, who numbered 7,337. They had, and they had 200 singing men and women. Their horses were 736, their mules 245, their camels 435, their donkeys 6,720. Some of the heads of the fathers' households, when they arrived at the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, offered willingly for the house of God to restore it on its foundation. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for the work 61,000 gold drachmas, 5,000 silver minas, and 100 priestly garments. Now the priests and the Levites, Levites, some of the people, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the temple servants lived in their cities and all Israel in their cities. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, every word in your word matters. And there's a reason that these folks are here. And so this morning as we walk through these verses, I pray and ask you to speak to us. I pray that the power of your presence will be made manifest. That our understanding, our eyes will be open. That Father, you said if any man lacks wisdom to pray, and that you give freely, we together ask for wisdom. And so speak to our hearts this morning. I pray that you will show us what's going on here. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that was a lot of names, wasn't it? Some of those names, how many of you were thinking I'm better him than me? Anybody? <laughs> yeah. That was a challenge. Some of it was a failure. <laughs> but here's the interesting part. Every word in God's word matters, doesn't it? Some of these people maybe you've never heard before. But here they are in the word of God. And so sometimes, just because you don't hear about somebody doesn't mean they don't matter. And so as we explore this question, do I matter to God, we're going to realize that God sees people, that he requires purpose, purity, and we live for his purpose. And so in chapter 2, we're going to look at people. In chapter 2, contains a long list of people returning from those who Nebuchadnezzar had carried away in captivity. He held them 70 years. And here they come back. There's 58 verses of people that are just that we just read off and uh, that God restored and brought back from different places. And so they return to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Judah, sorry, each to his own city. So what's happening here is they're going home. They're going home where they came from because when they were carried away, he did not carry away every person. He carried away the men and he carried away the Levites and left the rest. 
And so 70 years have gone by, so boys have become men that were left behind. And those who are in captivity uh, are returning to see the state or the condition of what they left. And so there were priests, Levites, temple servants, sons of Solomon's servants. And so God sends back his team of leaders. He assembles his team to lead spiritually first. When God builds a house, he sends spiritual leaders. He sends what's needed at the time. And as God is building what's going on here at New Life, that's you. Well, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know about leading spiritually. Listen, you lead spiritually with everybody you know in your life. People watch you all the time. People see who you are. How many of you have ever just watched somebody else and watched how they acted and impacted you spiritually? Choices they've made. Things they've said, overheard conversations, not because you were eavesdropping, because you were there. And so we are leaders, and we are leaders uh, because we are sons and daughters of God. And so he sends these guys back to lead spiritually. Because before the walls would be built, the temple was going to be built. The place of worship was to be restored. And so they go back. And what we discover from this list is this. You go, well, it's just a bunch of names. Let me give you some observations from this list. God knew them by name. And only God could remember these names. <laughs> God knew them by name. God knows your name. He thinks about you by name. Not shaking his head. Not slapping his head. Oh, going, oh. He knows you by name. So do you matter to God? Yes, you do. God knew them by name. God knew where they came from. As we read the list, it tells what God knew their background. He knew their heritage. He knew all about them because he knew them before they were born. It was not a surprise. It's not an accident that he brought people from everywhere. Because Jerusalem was a center of worship for all of Israel, not just for Jerusalem. You know, we so often think of a place uh, or church as a, as a church for that city. But back when it was, when they were under the temple, they would come from all over. You know, you can have an impact beyond yourself. With the age of social media that we're in, you can absolutely make a difference in people's lives from across America. Not long ago, we started a group called the uh, Living the Exchange Life. And uh, a lot of us jumped in there. I mean, it's out there on Facebook, but there's other folks that have come to join. And we're having an impact. People download and 
and listen to God's word. And so you have an impact globally. We're going to be talking about missions in the days ahead. Stephen and I have been starting to have conversations surrounding that. Because it's important that we have an outflow, folks. There's people out there doing the work that need support. And we want to be, we want to participate with them. And so it doesn't matter where you come from. God knows. But he knew them by name, he knew where they came from, he knew their family. He knew what their family, their family was. He knew what their family was like. They knew about crazy Uncle Bob. You know, we all have a crazy uncle, don't we? Listen, if you don't have a crazy uncle, maybe you're it. <laughs> but he knew their family. He knew their work. He said there were singers and gatekeepers and priests, etc. He knew what they did. He knew what their skill sets were. You don't have to be a great speaker or a great singer to be used by God. I'm not a great singer. <laughs> Those of you who missed New Year's Eve or the Christmas Eve service, you missed out. That won't happen again. I'm not claiming to be a great preacher either. I just know a great God who can do anything when he preaches word. I'll tell you what, that's what up in America, that's what's missing today. Men to stand up and stand on the word of God and preach it without hesitation, without backup, without weakness, without fear of somebody getting offended. If you get offended, the word of God, then so be it. The problem ain't the word, the problem's you. Amen. And when I'm offended at the word of God, the problem ain't the word, the problem's Mark. <laughs> and if we start compromising this book, we got nothing. And I believe that God is capable of keeping it, and every word in here is from Him. That's why we read the whole passage. Because every word matters. Every number matters. And you know why? Because they matter to God. You matter to Him. And so we see that the people matter. God knows us by name. We have a purpose in His kingdom. We matter to Him. You matter. So we see the people, but we also see purity. In verses 59 through 63... Purity matters to God in both our service and worship of Him. Watch this. There were those who came up from Tel, uh, Tel Malah, but did not have any evidence that they were of the house of Israel. They had come up. They were of the tribe of Levi, but there was no record. Then there were those that had 
married outside of Israel with the people of Gilead and had no ancestral registrations. Because once you did that, you're out. You violated Jewish law. And so we have those who have no record, those who have a record that are outside. And what did he tell them? The result is they were considered unclean and couldn't be used. They couldn't be used. Not in the temple worship. And so they were excluded from the priesthood. They couldn't eat of the holy things without a priest giving it to them. See, folks, purity matters if we're going to be used by God. Now, does that mean that if I haven't lived a perfect life that God can't use me? No, that's not what that means. Because if that's what that means, I need to sit down right now. Because I haven't lived a perfect life. Far from it. So what is he talking about? Well, for them, there were certain requirements to be used in certain roles in God's plan. Now, this is not <laughs> really welcomed in today's culture. God has required leaders to be men. Pastors and deacons are men. They're to be the husband of one wife. That means I don't have 17 wives and I'm not on my third. We may not like that. <laughs> But God's word, he said it that way, and God knows best. I know that's not popular. There's people who don't like me because, because I stand with God's word on that. Now, let me, let me put it to you this way. This is not men being over or warding over women or being more important. Because if you think of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's submission there, but they're co-equal, right? That's how this works. It's just different responsibilities. And I think it's because it goes against our nature to lead that God made us do that. Because we know after the fall that the, the, the nature of the woman is to lord over the man. We're okay with that. We're like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> He'd rather sit on the couch. We're couch potatoes by nature. Look at, look at in the home. Who gets all the work done? Here? Right, ladies? And all the ladies said, y'all are quiet today. We know, don't we? And the men said, y'all think y'all have an advantage because of my voice today. We know, ladies, who gets the work done. I watched my wife cracking jokes and when she'd asked her what her pain level was, she was a 10. That's what she told them. You ladies are tired. Y'all work through illness, sickness, don't matter. You just keep going. It's got to get done. Right, ladies? It's got to get done, so yeah. somebody's got to do it. Yeah. All the ladies said, Amen. see, there we go. <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting warmed up a little. But y'all get it done. 
And so we have a responsibility to align with the book. And listen, my life on that one subject, my life would be easier if it didn't say that. But God knows what he's doing. It's not meant as a punishment. And so here, purity matters. You know, we need to be seekers and pursuers of God if he's going to use us. Because how can he give us the desires of our heart if our desire is not for him? He can't. And so it flows out of this relationship and this passion to really know him and be used by him. You may have great skill and never be used by the hand of God. People could even ooh and awe over the things you do, and that don't mean a hill of beans unless God was in it. And so, and really, the greater the skill, the greater the reliance on God has to be. Because when you really get good at something, because when I look around, there's several of you that I know are great at a lot. When we're great at something, we have a tendency to rely on that instead of the God who gave us that skill. We have to be careful. We have to walk in purity. Because if God doesn't do it, you know it's funny because it, here, okay, let's just take me. Okay? That's easier, right? Amen? Yeah. I'm sitting down here this morning and I know that my voice is not where it is normally. And I'm praying and I'm going, Lord, you're really going to have to do this today because I'm not, you know, I don't have it. Why shouldn't I be praying that every Sunday? Right? Say amen. amen. That's where I should be every Sunday. There ought to be a move of God whether I'm confident in my voice or not. That's the way it should be. That's how I know that we rely on certain things. Because I've done it. So let's just cut. I mean, it can't just cut that way. It's got to cut this way too, right? The truth is the truth, and it cuts where it cuts. And it's an exciting time when God brings conviction in your life, because when He does, He brings hope. It comes with it. And so purity matters if we're going to be used by God. But then that brings us to purpose. In verses 64 through 70. When God returned the people to their land, he had a purpose for them. He brought them there for a reason. He sent them back for a reason. He didn't just send them back to send them back. He didn't just send them back so that they could get out of Nebuchadnezzar's hair. So Nebuchadnezzar was gone, but Cyrus's hair. God had a purpose for them. You are where you are for a purpose. Every one of you. How many of you have ever had part of your body stop working? Anybody? That's fun, isn't it? 
To those of you who are over 42, you remember the first time you woke up and something hurt that wasn't injured when you went to bed? You remember that? <coughs> or less than 42 is the case maybe. And this ad just stopped working. How many of you have ever had your leg go numb? And you, and you don't know until you get up, right? Because it's subtle, it's sneaky. You get up and you're almost falling over. You're like, hey, what's up? And everybody thinks there's something wrong with you. Hopefully it only happens at home. But when part of the body doesn't work, we're off, right? That's why when God brings us together as a group, every one of you matters. Every one of you. And those who couldn't be here today, they matter. And so it's time that we rise and fulfill the purpose for which we've been brought here. You know, there was a time, and I didn't understand it then, and I'm still working through everything that God meant. When we started off as a church, we, you know, when we planted, Terry and I were the planters. Normally planters cycle out in three years, but I didn't, I, that wasn't my calling. And so when we planted the church, everybody was working, everybody had a job because we had to set chairs up and tear them down and all this. And our folks built this building. And as soon as we moved in, they started peeling off. And they were either moving or going to new church startups. And I'm like, and I started praying. And I said, Lord, what's going on? Because this is weird. After I spent a year of my life building a building, I wouldn't leave. <laughs> and the Lord said, do you trust me? And I said, shoot. <laughs> Because if you say yes, but, then you don't trust him, right? And if you say, I do trust you, but you still have questions, then you lie. God's a master, I'm telling you. And so I said, Lord, I do trust you, but I really would like to know what's going on. <laughs> and he said, good, I'm glad you trust me. And I prayed that for a year. And sitting on the children's floor in there against this wall that separates the foyer from the children's room. One Sunday night, the Lord said to me, he said, I sent people to build a building, now I'm gonna send people to build a church. That's you. And so you have a purpose, ladies and gentlemen. You have a purpose. I have a responsibility to what God has asked me to do. And you have a responsibility to what God has been laying on your heart. And as those things come together, we're going to rise and fall in leadership. And remember this, leadership is not being in charge. Not just being, it means that when everybody else is doing everything else, they're out having a good time, you're working. Or studying. Or preparing or running around getting materials, or everybody wants to be in leadership, especially, I mean, I did when I was young, and then I got in leadership, and I was like, man, I'd just like to be a cognitive leader now. But it didn't work like that. And so, 
we have a purpose. We are called here for a purpose. Do you matter to God? Absolutely, yes, you do. So he called them. He sent a 200-voice choir of men and women returned with them. So Stephen, get on it. <laughs> you know what? If God wants a choir here, he'll have a choir here, right? Two hundred voices returning. They were singers. You know, and here's the thing. You know, I love that it noted that they were singers. Because if you're going to be a part of something that's a singing responsibility, you ought to be able to sing. Just saying. So God used the giving of his people to restore his house. And so the resources and everything they need were in their hands. They had it. God's people came together under the hand of God to do his work. We have a purpose that God has brought us together, together to accomplish. We have a purpose, folks. We have a purpose. And I'm excited to lock arms with you. To pull out shovels with you. To pull out tracks with you. To get on our knees and pray together. To seek the Lord for his his will. We need somebody note this down. In our prayer time on Sunday mornings, we need to add that. We need to be praying for God's calling on new life and what he's doing with all the individual folks that he's bringing here so that we can support the hand of God. Amen? Amen. Don't you want somebody knowing that don't you want to know that somebody's praying for God's purpose in your life? Ooh. I can't do it high this morning. I sound like Pinocchio. And so that's the deal. Listen, you, let, you matter to God. Listen to me. God knows you by name. He knows you by name. You don't need to doubt it. It's right here. Your name is easier, trust me. You're not obscure, insignificant, or forgotten. The world may treat you that way, but God doesn't. You're valued. The world has a tendency to value certain things, and I guarantee you they're different than what God values. God looks at the heart, folks. So God knows you by name. Prepare yourself for ministry, ladies and gentlemen. Respond positively to, to God's correction. He is not doing it to hurt you. He's doing it to prepare you to be used. Count it all joy when you fall into these things. He's stripping out. I went through a week of it to realize that that's part of the journey. It is rough. <laughs> it was rough. You want to know about it? He talked to me this afternoon. 
but it was rough. And then at the end of it, when I was about ready to quit, you ever been about ready to quit? I saw the hand of God. And I was like, what just happened? But I knew what happened. I told Terry, she said, oh yeah, I've been praying for that. That must have been cool for her too, right? See that? So prepare yourself. Now watch this. You do not need to hunt down your purpose. I gotta find it. I gotta find out what should I do? When you work on the purification part of this, the purpose becomes clear. Don't worry about what you're supposed to do. Worry about your relationship with God. Get that where it needs to be. And the other will just be in front of you. Like when they showed up and there was a need, they already had it. They didn't even realize that's what it was for. And so when you, when you understand your value and you are responsive to God's hand, then the thing in front of you is what he wants you to do. He puts it in front of you. It will not be a leap. It will be just the next step. That's the way it works. It's just the next thing. You know, we want to see this a certain thing or a certain, we're like, wow, that's a big lift. I got to get all this. I got to, you're not ready for that if you have to get all that together. That's what I've learned. Because I remember before we came to plant new life, I had to go through a time of brokenness. Because I always had this desire, but it was always shut to me. And after I went through that, I remember God saying, now you're ready. Now I can do something with you. And Mark had to get out of the way. Mark had to die. So God could live through me. <laughs> and so do we matter? Yeah, we do. You know, there was a... There was a little boy that was talking to his pastor one day. And the pastor asked him, What do you want to be when you grow up? The little boy said... Well, I don't want to be a fireman. And the pastor was taken back because, you know, he did. Kids normally don't say what they don't want to be, especially a fireman. And so he said, well, why don't you want to be a fireman? And the little boy said, well, they make too much noise. And, uh, and he said, and I don't want to be a preacher either. And he chuckled, the pastor chuckled. He said, well, why is that? He goes, they make too much noise too. And then the little boy said, and then he asked, well, then what do you want to be? And the little boy said, uh, I want to be a garbage man. And the pastor kind of looked at him puzzled. He said, why would you want to be a garbage man? He said, because I want to ride on the back of that truck. He thought that was really cool. But the interesting thing here, 
is just because some people don't value something, others do. And we have a tendency to look at things and say, well, we're not valued, we're not this or we're not that. But when God looks at it, he sees great value in you. And so don't dismiss what God can do with you because of the impression of the world upon your heart. It will limit you. It will keep you from believing God can do anything with you. It will pigeonhole you. We've all heard it in school. We've all dealt with it from other kids. Being attacked, being called names. And maybe some of us were even told at some point, you'll amount to nothing. I want you to know something, that's a lie. That is a lie. And all, the father of all lies is the devil. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so when you hear stuff like that, and that garbage seeps into your heart, it is meant to destroy what God has created you to be. So we must reject that. We're not elevated because of what we do. When Jesus came to do the greatest thing in the world, what was he doing? Was he elevated? He was humbled. That's how you lead. And so I want to tell you something, folks. You matter to God. Don't miss the opportunity that he's giving you. We're in the process of building teams and, and to do ministry and things that God has laid out before us. And you matter. Every one of you does. And I want to deal with you. Because I want to watch the hand of God and enjoy that conversation with you. Did y'all see what God did? Did y'all hear that? So this morning, why would you read all those names? Because people matter. It mattered so much that God put those names in it. Look for some of them. That may be the only place they show up in the Bible. You matter to God. Let's everybody bow their head and close their eyes.